Have you had one of those moments where you gaze between the candlesticks and for a little moment your love is rekindled and you think that the other person truly is beautiful and less wrinkly and you fall in love with them again and you have this and then your hand reaches across the table and you, uh, you know, ever had one of those you know, sometimes moments, you know, if you are sitting far away from one of you just get close again, it's all right. Uh, sometimes moments are like that and we connect with another person deeply, but it's not just the reserve of marriage. Actually, what can happen is we can meet just another person and we strike up a conversation with them and they've been to the same place or they've had the same experience and suddenly the conversation has moved from talking about the weather or about Brexit, I just thought I had to get it in early, to talking about something that is life-changing and you have a moment with another human being and you connect deeply. Most of the rest of the time, though, honestly, it's probably just, would you like a cup of tea? What needs to be bought from the shops? What are you doing at work? Did you get overly stressed? How come the car ran out of petrol? You know, it's the normal, ordinary stuff of life that happens. But occasionally, life gets tinged with these deep, life-changing moments where we connect with another human being. And today we are looking at one of those moments, not where Moses connected with another human being, but where he connected deeply with the living God. You see, what had happened is uh, we've jumped on ahead about 40 years. That's why I lined everyone up uh, at the start of the service. We jumped ahead about 40 years from where Moses uh, took the commission that God had given him into his own hands and killed an Egyptian. That's what we talked about last week. And then he did the only thing that any self-respecting man would do at that point, And he legged it into the wilderness. 40 years have passed. He's become, rather than a king, he's become a shepherd. He's gone from the highest place to the lowest place. He's surrendered his royal robes, his place of privilege. The culture of Egypt has taken 40 years to burn off his skin, off the back of his neck. As he's walked the land with his father-in-law's animals. His pride has been worn down. Perhaps even his vision abandoned. Walking instead with uncertainty. And finally, finally in this place, 40 years on, when he's an 80-year-old, finally he's usable by God. No more, come on Lord, follow me. Instead, Lord, what do you want to do? And he steps into holy ground, but that ground was not what he was expecting it to be. 
It may have been that this was already recognised as a holy place, but honestly, I think it was just the place where he was getting enough food for the sheep. You see, he was a shepherd. They go to places where you get food and you get shelter. He's going to the place where he can do his job. It's an ordinary, everyday place. This bush has probably been here for hundreds of years. How many times has he walked his past, his sheep past this bush on the way to somewhere else? I love the way that in Exodus we get the kind of, we get the opener in the first couple of verses because God set this up already. The angel of the Lord has appeared to him in the flames from the bush, but it's not burning up. This thing's already happening, but Moses is still seeing an ordinary bush. And so he wanders up to it, it's kind of like, that's a bit odd. He's not clocked yet that this is God doing something amazing. This is God showing up in person. And so he wanders over to go and get a closer look. And God calls him by name from that place, from the fire. And Moses' response, here I am. Don't come any closer. Take off your sandals. This is holy ground. Suddenly the ordinary has become extraordinary. Suddenly the atmosphere between earth and heaven has become thin. What he couldn't see, he can now begin to see. And so God's commission afresh to Moses comes. The Lord has seen the slavery of the people. One little aside that I read during the week was, um, did God send the people into slavery? Because that seems kind of mean. You know, it's the promise to uh, to Abraham that actually you're going to be a pre- you're going to be an oppressed people. Well, as I was reading around it, what I, what I bumped into was this, which I hadn't clocked before, was that God had to send people not into slavery but into the safety of Egypt. You see, He said that they would grow in numbers, but the land that He wanted to give them was a war zone. There was a massive battle going on for years and years in that place for, for, for a couple of hundred years. And if he'd sent them directly into that place, they would have been wiped out. So he had to send them into the safety of Egypt, even though it was really tough, so that they had an environment in which they could grow numerous. And then from a place of strength, they come out and then they can take the land. See, God's... God's rationale is sometimes a little bit bigger than what we can see in the present moment. He didn't want to inflict that on them. What he wanted was something bigger. God can always see the bigger picture. And I think probably as as uh, God is outlining for Moses, you know, well, people are in slavery, I've seen it, and now it's rescue time. I think probably Moses is kind of like, yeah, tick, I'm glad you've caught up because I've been stressing about this for 40 years in the wilderness looking after sheep. Come on. And then the last line comes. So, verse 10, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh. What? Not me. I ran away. I've done it. I'm, I'm hidden. Thanks. Not me. And his response comes, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? The man 
that ran away. The man that couldn't do the job that you set on my heart all those years ago to set my people free. Who am I? And God's response is quite simple. I'll be with you. This is never about us. It's never about our skill set or ability. It's all about him. I've taken to keeping this in my, in my Bible again to remind me. It's a picture of uh, a little boy carrying a wooden sword. And behind it is a massive suit of armour with a big sword. The armour don't fit me. God's big. He can do what he wants to do. All I've got to do is join in. Who am I? I will go with you. And then this wonderful phrase in in verse 14. uh, Moses has said, uh, but who are you? And God's response is, I am who I am. There's nothing else that defines me. Everything that comes afterwards is because of me. I am who I am. And the echo that we have of that in John's Gospel, where Jesus stands up and says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of the life. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This declaration by Jesus that he is God. Again and again. I am who I say I am. I am who I am. And then the following verse, verse 14, Moses says to God, the Lord. There are so many other places in Scripture where God has a descriptive term, where we describe Him. The Ancient of Days, the Father of Lights. So many names for God, but this is the name for God. In the NIV, you'll always see it as Lord, but Lord with capital letters. And whenever it's Lord with capital letters in the Hebrew, this is Yahweh. And it sounds like I am in Hebrew. I am who I am. Yahweh. The Lord, capital letters. Whenever you see capital letters, Lord, it's different from Lord, Lord. The problem is we just got not got enough words. They should have just put Yahweh in. And Yahweh is the name of God that the Jewish people then wouldn't even say out loud because it was so holy. And God is revealing himself to Moses and he finds himself standing on holy ground with his commission recommissioned. To go and do the thing that God has called him to do. I don't know about you, but I love the presence of God. Do you love the presence of God? Come on, it's a question, it needs an answer. Do you love the presence of God? If you don't, let me introduce him to you. Hey, we've got an alpha course. This is the notices bit. We've got an alpha course, it's starting this week, Wednesday night. Uh, please invite someone, please pray. Okay, that's half my notes. I've done, I've got one more later. The presence of God. What do we mean by that? God, not just as an idea, an intellectual thought that there might be a something. 
It's more than just the watered down version that you get in an AA meeting of some kind of vague higher power. The vague higher power has a name, his name is Jesus and he wants to be with you now. Present with you by the power of his Holy Spirit. I don't know about you but I love the presence of God. The presence of the Holy Spirit. I was brought up in a church where uh, they talked a lot about the word but they didn't talk about the presence of God. They didn't talk about the Holy Spirit and they didn't practice the Holy Spirit. It's dear, faithful, full people but the problem was they didn't know how full they were. And as a 15 year old, 15, 16 year old I remember going to one of those sleepover parties and, and I'm beginning to wrestle with kind of, you know, what, I, what I'm hearing, there's more. I have to figure out what this more is. I have to figure out what the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And I'm rest, starting to wrestle with it. And I go to this party and, and it gets to kind of crash out time. I presume kind of two or three in the morning, I don't know. And everyone else, as far as I can tell, is half cut. And I'm lying down trying to go to sleep. And I'm praying earnestly. I'm praying that the Lord would break out, that I would see Him move. That I would experience Him move. Not just have an idea that He's this all-powerful, amazing God. And you know what happened? Nothing. (laughs) That's a wait. First time I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit was in North Devon at a spring harvest meeting. And I drove home in my dad's Fiat 127, which is basically a lawnmower with a lid. (laughs) He was a doctor. Why didn't he buy a better car? You know, he used to park it next to all the beamers. Anyway, I I drove that home absolutely drunk in the Holy Spirit. I should have been arrested, you know, me and Philip together. That's a joke, by the way. It just takes a little while. And then when the Holy Spirit fell in the early 90s, Meg and I were in this church in London, and I remember this this team of folks showed up who had just been out to Toronto. And, you know, they did all kind of crazy things, and the bloke at the front was shaking, and we were all kind of like, that's a lot weird, isn't it? But then the Holy Spirit fell, and it was like, well, do you know what? But God's in the house. Come on! And do you know what happened to me? Nothing. (laughs) Six long weeks of going, Oh Lord, I'm really so grateful that you have poured out the might of your Holy Spirit on the whole of the rest of the church. But why not me? (laughs) Me, I'm over here too. When finally, whether, I don't know, he just had to kind of turn the taps on or I gave up or who knows how that works. When finally I kind of Receive the Holy Spirit in that, in those heady days in London. It was like open heart surgery. It was like having a year's worth of counseling all in one dose. There's a really interesting little bit in this encounter that Moses has. 
And it's that God promises him that they will come back and worship on the mountain. That Moses will bring the people back to the same place. And in the NIV, there's, you know, there's not enough words because it's got, it's one of those little U's that's got a footnote. And it says, you will come back and worship on the mountain. And the footnote says, the U is plural. In other words, it's not just Moses that's going to come back. Moses is going to come back with the people and they are going to worship in this place. Moses can't take the people to somewhere that he hasn't been. Folks, we can go on an adventure together, but you know, you can't take folks to a place that you haven't been. If you haven't experienced the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, today is a good day. (laughs) It's a good day to start. And they do come back in Exodus chapter 19, and they do have this dramatic encounter with Almighty God. but the people are afraid to go to that place. Moses has got all sorts of excuses. The excuse of verse 11, who am I? Do you know, this is a, this is a really important one in Scripture. Let me, this is an aside. You know, the predominant thinking in our culture at the moment is, I am who I say I am. I define myself. You know, that is not the starting point of Scripture. And you're going to have to spend a long time in the wilderness wandering around if that's what you carry. You know, me, look at me. This is my definition of me. Great. Fantastic. I'm really happy for you. But you know, if you want to truly meet with God, you've got to start in a different place. Who am I? And God's response is, I am who I am. And the definition of him defines us not the other way around. Who am I? Is Moses' first excuse. And God's response is, not about you, it's about me. Who shall I say sent me? Oh, I am who I am. Yahweh, the Lord. But what if they don't listen? What if they don't believe me? Verse four, uh, Chapter 4, verse 1. So, The Lord gives him signs, a staff, a hand going into his cloak and coming out being withered and not withered. Water being taken and thrown on the ground and becoming, but gives him signs to go with him. Still Moses is kind of coming up with excuses, but I'm slow of speech, whether he had a, you know, whether he had a stutter or whether he was dyslexic, I don't know. Verse 13, but please send someone else. Oh, all right then, I'll send your brother with you. God's kind of losing the plot with him at this point. But even when we get to him talking to Jethro, really he's still not sure. If he was sure what he was going to go and do, he would have told Jethro what he was going to go and do. Because it was a bit of a surprise when he brought them all back home with him later on. You know, Hey Jethro, we brought some guests with us. How many? How many for dinner? Um, about two million. He still wasn't sure, but you know what? Even though he wasn't sure, he was willing. 
Even with his questions, he was willing to commit. Why? Because God was with him. I am who I am was with him. Yahweh, the Lord. A couple of things that I'd love you to take out of this and then we're going to pray together. The first is that in God's economy, there's no age limit. You might feel a bit over the hill and a bit creaky. Do you know what? God's just getting started with you. He's just getting started. You might feel like you know, you're know you done and you want to leave it to everyone else. Yeah, you might want to leave some of the structural stuff to other people. That's fine. Great, we do need to hand over church to, to a younger generation. We have to do that. But do you know what? In terms of the kingdom, you are not done. You are not done. He's got prayers for you to pray. He's got people for you to heal. He's got a kingdom for you to advance with Him. Not because you are so super strong, but because He is so super big. He's a big God. And I was, you know, I was so, I was so chuffed that you were singing, our God is a great big God enthusiastically, because I was wondering whether you would. But you were good. The first is there's no age limit. The second is this, and this might sound a little bit odd. It is okay to go back. It is okay to reminisce about the things that God did back then. Hooray! Excellent! Let's celebrate them. But you know what? Reminiscing is not the same as Him doing something right now. And what I want is for him to do something right now, this generation, this people, our country, and every other country around the world. It's good to reminisce. This is what uh, Moses is only able to take the people there because he goes back to that place knowing, holding on to what God has done and saying yes in that moment. You know, this is why the power of testimony is so important. If ever I I pray for someone for a particular thing that they've got cranky with them, you know, if, if I've got a story in my head, even if it's hearing someone else having been healed of that or, what, or whatever it might be, I, I tell the story. If I can't think of that, I, I, I think of a scripture and I, and I mention that before we pray. The power of remembering, not to say we're going back there, but to say, yes, Lord, we want you to do something again right now. Come on. Come and speak. Come and move. No age limit. It's okay to go back, but in the right way. And the last one is about the ordinary. You know, one of the things that we do when we gather as church, you know, we read God's word, we reflect on it, we pray, we worship. But you know, none of those things are the point. We're family, it's good, it's encouraging. But you know, this is the training ground for when you wake up on a Monday morning going, oh man, I can't believe I've got to go to work. Or you wake up on a Monday morning and go, oh man, I wish I could go to work. For that moment when you're in Tesco's, even Tesco's here and you bump into someone and you get talking to them and you just get a little thought in your head 
And you think, should I share that? (laughs) Yes! Go for it! You know what? You're probably, you're probably looking more crazy than yourself, than you, to yourself, than you ever will to the other person. And it, and if you do come across as a bit crazy to them, well hey, they'll remember your face! And maybe you can encourage them around the shop a bit faster as they try and run away from you. In your workplace, in your home, in the good times and the bad times, what I hope is that you will experience the presence of God breaking out. One of my, one of my great joys is, and, and this, you know, this is not like a weekly, a weekly thing, but, uh, sometimes I, I, I bump into Meg, I mean, that's, it's a good thing to bump into your wife, isn't it? But I, I bump into her and she's been, she's been thinking and praying about something, uh, and she'll just be like standing in the kitchen. And the Holy Spirit's resting on her. And she's receiving again the Holy Spirit in the kitchen. At work. Yes, in church. Yes, as we're going to do now and we're going to pray for folks.